Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Thought Architecture. I'm Justin, and of course, um, you might have noticed that the microphone quality is a little bit different. Let's just say that I'm upgrading, and I figured out how to use my existing equipment just that much better. So today's episode is about skill, and it's a little bit of a reactionary uh, audio, and it's Basically, what I realized is one of my core beliefs and the core values is that skill development is ultimately everything. It is at the center of what I believe um, amongst everything. Like, there are no racists. There are developed skills of prejudice that go on in the person's brain that could be um, developed out or ignored. And compassion can be developed, you know. Uh, there's no such thing as being born evil. Evil is a skill that is developed over time, etc. And those are pretty inflammatory beliefs. I understand this. So if this is not your cup of tea, then no stress. I, I bid you a great day. I hope you have a nice time. However, if you're in my boat, if we're talking similar languages, then jump aboard. Let's, uh, let's take this journey together. So I think one of the interesting points about this is this idea that skill acquisition will lead to habit change, which will lead to state change. You know, oh, I am this thing. I'm healthy, for example. And the truth is, is that there's no such thing as a state. There is a repeated automatic skill that your body has a pattern for that just repeats um, without you trying. Oh, I'm a morning person. no. Your body has the right conditions for you to wake up in the morning and basically repeat that pattern without you thinking. Okay, so you believe that your meat is meat that is efficient for the morning. Great, fantastic. You know, that's amazing. But, you know, whatever those conditions are, strong or soft, we could probably introduce other conditions that could break those conditions down. And so we stop seeing things as states. Oh, but I'm an intelligent person. No, no, definitely not. You know, the idea is that at one point in time, in one context, you have the right ingredients to 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 show the skill of intelligence. Yes. Um, but likewise, like someone who has 20 years on a job has the intelligence to do that job as well. I, I, and what I mean by that is the automated skill to be able to fundamentally do that job without a problem. Wow. Isn't it annoying when you get messages and you're trying to produce something a little bit more quality <clears throat> anyway so the very simple point is this idea of the states are not absolute skills however and skill development is something that we can see as one of the be-all and end-all mechanisms all right so a quick idea for you as well is let's say health <clears throat> just talking about food how many different skills can you understand with food so first of all just an awareness of your food is not going to change necessarily how you interact with food. So knowledge isn't the be-all and end-all. Like, knowledge is power, absolutely. And then the application of that knowledge is even more powerful. The habituation of that knowledge and the development of a skill with that knowledge is definitely the most powerful. So we must take this perspective of always developing skill and never, never, ever... Um, be uh, prejudiced against someone who doesn't know. You know, knowledge is the first step. Great. If you don't know, how can you build a skill around it? You know, very unconsciously without choosing because of conditions around you, that's how you develop an unconscious skill. Okay. 
So if you talk about health, we can talk about what knowledge do you have about health, about, let's say, nutrition. Um, what knowledge do you have about where to acquire, you know, your foods, um, how to make judgments about your foods. So I'll take you down a little rabbit hole that I went down recently, which is how to actually see the differences and the quality of water, of just bottled water, uh, tap water as well. And so there's actually three things that you can look at. Number one is going to be contaminants, what contaminants are in the water. And so what's a very typical way of, of looking at this is actually looking at, okay, cool, well, tap water has got certain levels of arsenic. As a matter of fact, when we tested our tap water in Santa Monica, yes, that's California, we found that the tap water actually had dangerously high levels of arsenic. But of course, now it's not enough that like one glass of water is going to kill you, but enough that if you constantly drink the tap water year in, year out, you're going to see that accumulate in your body. You know, especially if you're following that like, oh, yes, eight, eight cups of water a day kind of thing. So there are problems with this. So great. Cool. Contaminants. Well, what can we do to remove the contaminants? Well, you can do all kinds of things, reverse osmosis being one of them. But most of these kind of decontaminating uh, processes usually run water through a filter, which also filters out all the good stuff. So great. So we got dead water, technically. We don't have any of the good things, but we don't have any of the bad things. Okay. So there you go. So the first category is contaminants. The second category is what are the good things. And then the third category is really what are the neutral things. So the neutral things are things that haven't been shown by science to have any effect whatsoever. Like, for example, if you see a bottled water out there that says something about water pH, there has been zero connection in any of the research between water pH, okay? To, if you find any research, please send it my way. I am happy to adjust and increase my skill on this particular topic, my, increase my skill of intelligence. But um, from my research, from what I've found, you know, and of course, remember that this is me over a weekend going down a rabbit hole of my own curiosity. This is not me going into like a master's or a PhD level dissertation, you know, meta-analyses. But I've never found... Uh, I have not found anything on pH affecting anything with health, negatively or positively. And so pH, um, as far as I can tell, pretty much a marketing marketing uh, mechanism. So what's interesting is that the positive thing is going to be TDS, or total dissolved solids, all the good minerals that you find in water. And I started going through this and finding, well, how do the TDS of one bottle compare with another? <clears throat> and what's quite interesting is that I think it's a, uh, you need 300 total dissolved solids. Is uh, 300 the number is like it's 300 parts per milliliter or something like that. Um, and basically, what we're talking about is the idea that 300 and over, you can call it mineral water. Um, if you see anything that says, you know, uh, distilled water, it doesn't have any minerals in it, or you know, like, I'll attach the, the article that I really enjoyed uh, below. But the simple idea is that, yes, making sure that you're going for a very high TDS mineral water will also mean that you're excluding all the negative elements of the water as well. And, you know, that, that in and of itself is what I'm talking about. So I had a skill uh, increase because I increased my knowledge on this type of stuff, which will then transfer into my actions. What decisions do I make around this? How strict am I? with this well one could say well justin you're already pretty healthy so making decisions around this is just going to benefit you even more or i don't know this is a bit of a waste of time and that is a valid statement to make so for example i invested a lot of time to learn the rubik's cube but once i got within a minute of doing the rubik's cube let's say my best time is about a minute 10 seconds 
Um, there's very little after that, unless you want to take on competitive Rubik's cubing. Um, you know, it's not really going to affect you that much. And actually, a lot of the data suggests that your initial adaptation to learning any skill, trying to apply any skill, is the best for you uh, neurogenically. You're going to create the most amount of attachments before you actually see any, uh, sorry, you're going to create the most amount of neural connections before you see any skill development that you want to see. And I find that quite interesting. Um, <clears throat> so talking about skill development, um, you know, the idea is that don't think about your health as good or bad. Think about your health uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, let's say. And within that, that's just the preset. So if you go back into the audios and you think about the lighting board model that I put forward, your, let's say, your nutrition um, preset is a combination of, let's say, 10 different dials. And each dial can be turned up and turned down to create a different mode of health. So again, just to say binary, my health is good, my health is not good, mm -mm, bad idea. And to say, oh, yes, well, it's a sliding scale. No, it's not. It's, let's say, it's a preset. If you want to say it's on a spectrum, no, it's not. It's on a preset because you could have great cooking skills but very low awareness of new, any nutritional values, your skill to shop and, and decidedly uh, see a difference between your products um, or the sourcing of the products or the nutritional combinations of certain products as well, you know, the timing of certain foods, all of these things weigh in with the idea of nutritional health. Right. And so you can go into the same kind of rabbit hole with um, any other type of skill when it comes to well-being. And so when we get there, it's not just about, like I said, understanding, you know. So if we talk about cognitive biases and unconscious biases and things like that, you know, you want to you want to make sure that you're um, a good person who's fair and you're not uh, discriminating against anyone or whatever the case may be. Um, just by doing bias training, um, you are not going to increase your skills in catching your biases at any point. Definitely the first step in the journey is awareness, but then it's the application of that awareness. Noticing what you do, and there's always going to be a lag. You know, they say hindsight is always twenty twenty, And so there's always a lag between, you know, what am I doing? And wait, oh, yes, I, I caught myself. I'm aware that I did that. You know, like... The next day, we always think back about our behavior the day before and think, ah, oh, should I have done that? Yeah, I didn't realize I was doing that at the time. I thought I was doing this at the time. Or when we watch ourselves on video and we actually notice uh, particular patterns that we go through, and we're like, holy crap, I did not realize that I did that at all. So in the well-being episode and inner balancing, I talked about um, various areas of well-being, health versus fitness. And uh, my good buddy Jonathan Reese uh, asked me to expand on that and create 10 categories, challenge me essentially. And I, and I definitely went for it. I thought, okay, well, let me not limit myself to 10. Let me think what categories can I create? What categories matter in my opinion that I can see? And so I created 10, right? The first five are all about physical well-being, but Make no mistake, they bleed over into mental well-being as well. Okay, So it's, it's going to be very simple. What do you do with your waking time? Well, you eat, so it's nutrition. You move around, okay, which is, of course, exercise. You don't move around, which is stillness or meditation. You sleep, 
when you're not awake, of course. So sleep is definitely one of them. And then the final one that kind of really binds them all together as well is breathing, appropriate breathing for all. Um, then after that, there were three that were more internal, the social, emotional, and cognitive healths. And then the final two, um, one of them is legacy, which is, of course, what do you leave behind? What's the uh, the emotional feeling that you leave behind? What is the intellectual property you leave behind? What's the physical property you leave behind when you move away, um, when you pass on, when you die, or when you just uh, leave a state or a country or whatever the case may be? Like, what what is your legacy? What is your reputation? And the last one is sovereignty. And sovereignty comes down to how much responsibility do you have for yourself? How much ownership do you have over yourself? How much control and agency do you have over your decision, your life, your actions, whatever it be? And the idea is that all of these internal things, these five internal things, all require a certain amount of awareness about the, the facts, awareness about yourself, how you act an awareness of, well, how do you want to act? An awareness of, cool, how can I get there? What are, what are the, the ways that I can kind of like institute a greater type of change? What are types of change that you can institute as well? So I'd like to tie this together here with a very typical thing that I see a lot, which is assessment. So uh, I think more often than not, when I'm being pitched something, uh, it's... It's a real big kind of bug for me that people don't assess if you're a good fit for something. You know, it's just, oh, hey, you need a teacher? Guess what? I'm a teacher. Rather than, oh, you need a teacher. What kind of teacher are you looking for? Well, what, what do you do? What are you, what's your current problem? What, what kind of problems uh, are you looking to solve? What problems are you unaware of? Uh, what kind of results do you want? What, uh, what do you think is a likely result? Like, are you just pulling these results out your ass, you know? There's a whole host of things that you can say here. And the simple point is that um, good sales is all about seeing if it's a good fit. You know, it's about qualifying people. And the more that, you know, you can qualify people and make those people feel heard, the more you can actually then uh, give them value. So more to the point is like, if it's not a good fit, if you're a salesperson and you're assessing someone, and you realize that this person is actually not a good fit for whatever it is that you do. By saying, listen, it's not a good fit. We're actually not a good solution for you. But these are some possible solutions for you to investigate as well because I think of this, this, and this, and this. Give them reasons why not and move on. And the idea is that those people will always point others your way because you're, you had their best interest at heart. And so this idea about, um, oh, I'm a personal trainer. I can train anyone. As soon as you say this, as soon as anyone says this, I can I can help anyone. I can help everyone. I can I can do this for yeah, of course you can, but you're not a good fit. You know, you're not going to be a perfect fit for everyone. Oh, everybody loves me. Nope. Nope, not true. Not true. There are always going to be people in the world who just naturally will hate you, not because of who you are, not because of anything, but just because of what you represent in their mind, in their perception, etc. So rounding this this out, what uh, what are the points we've covered? Well, we've we've covered this idea of like skill acquisition is everything, and it was triggered in me by an audio that I was listening to where people were talking about confidence, and confidence, as you know, is something that can be trained up. It's a skill, but then we come to this idea of root 
cause versus treating symptoms. Are you treating the root cause or are you treating a symptom? And so if confidence is just symptomatic of, oh, well, I haven't practiced this situation before, that's easy. That's an easy solve. But if confidence is due to like a deep, deep, deep trauma, we also have skill work for being able to investigate and make ourselves aware of our traumas, make ourselves aware of like what what we can do that can influence our traumas, make us feel better from our traumas, that's going to heal our traumas, not just cover them over, you know, paint over the, uh, you know, the, the rotting wood, as it were. You know, we really want to uh, treat the symptoms. We want to replace the rotting wood or, um, you know, get rid of the rot or whatever the case may be. So there's two ways that we can come at this as well with skill acquisition. Like, you know, the person who meditates every day because they're just triggered and stressed and by the end of the day, it's something that they need to do. Yeah, we can develop skills in meditation because we are aware that we have stress. But the thing is, is that because we're being triggered into such stress states, Actually, I would say that there's a root cause there that needs to be addressed a lot more. And the skill of addressing these root cause. So these are the meta skills then. Recognizing what the root causes are. Recognizing when we're trying to address a symptom. Recognizing when our, um, our skills are developing and transferring over to other skill development things. So we literally have meta-awareness skills, meta-skill acquisition skills. We have meta... Um, you know, skill practicing skills. And the more that we can transfer them, the better we are. So the more you climb up that ladder of meta, the better. <laughs> that was really cheesy. I apologize. <laughs> Leave a nerd alone, okay? Let me have my jokes. So let me repeat that again. The more you climb up the meta, the better. So the idea is I learned the Rubik's Cube. Great. What skills? Did that require me to learn? So I've got the skill of the Rubik's Cube, and that, I would say, is going to be the skill of itself. But I had to listen and repeat someone. And the faster I could listen and repeat and not try and just blast ahead and do my own thing, the faster I could actually acquire the Rubik's Cube skill. Now, learning to listen and repeat better is a meta skill. And so then when I learn a language and I listen and repeat better, I'm able to acquire that skill faster as well. Then there's the one about like authentic practice, treating it like sets and reps and trying to get your brain on board as well. Well, that one, same thing, you know, if I'm disciplined with myself and keeping my sets and reps, that'll transfer from the Rubik's Cube over to learning judo. Why not? Absolutely. Um, there's the idea of uh, making sure that you're prepping and planning beforehand. Well, the prepping and planning skill is something that's not going to be just for Rubik's Cubes. You know, after that, there's the idea of uh, putting reps in under stress, reflecting, etc. And these are the meta skills that are associated with learning, right? With skill acquisition. But skill acquisition is not just learning. Skill acquisition is literally improving as well. <clears throat> All right. So skill acquisition is everything. In my opinion, you know, you can learn how to have a better life. Absolutely. And apply that. But a lot of the time you don't need to learn things. So let me challenge you to this. Okay. If you think about your diet. And think about all of the bad things that there are in your diet. You don't need to be told what you need to cut out. What you need to stop eating. Most of us are pretty much spot on the money. But we indulge ourselves. And so making changes in our life is more about uh, skill acquisition 
the skill of saying no to this, the skill of choosing something else instead, the skill of attaching a positive or a negative to something rather than the learning of new information. And that's, and that's the point, and that's the audio, and that's all I've got to say for today. So if you like this, please uh, feel free to share it with someone else that uh, might find this interesting. You know, like grow, grow, grow. That's the the old adage. Um, but I would rather, I would rather it become quality. You know, for someone, if you want to have a quality conversation, get them to listen to this and let's you know, like have an exchange on it or something like that. Pause it, stop it in between, and. Um, yeah, use it Use it as fuel for your conversation. Speaking of conversation, I think the next audio that I'm going to make is one about relating to people and the skill of relating and uh, talking. Um, it's quite interesting as well. And yes, there are many, many more coming on. I've been uh, going through an online language learning community. I'm going to be doing a lot of learning uh, audios in the future as well. So those will be coming out soon. Um, but yes, if you have any uh, wants, asks, needs, desires, requests, whatever they are, please send them my way. If you have any feedback or criticisms or critiques or uh, interesting factoids that you can relate, again, reach out, send them to me. I would love to hear from you. Until then, have a wonderful, wonderful day. <laughs>